Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Bright and sunny morning. The rain finally stopped, and now the grass is growing. So, but that's a good thing. But it's good that you're all here this morning. We're going to pick up our study this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 19. We got one more week in this study, and then we'll start a new quarter. So I've just want to say this, I've really enjoyed teaching this. Y'all have been a very attentive audience or class, if you, however you want to put it, but uh, I always enjoy everyone's comments. Uh, I like participation in class. I don't like to just lecture because I learn as much from your thoughts as we read God's Word and the things that it's amazing the different things that each one of us pull out of the scriptures. And then when we go through that scripture again, there's something else that will come out every time you go through it. It's just so amazing how God's word works. So let's start with chapter 19 of 1 Samuel. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. Verse 2. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and, and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Now if you'll notice in verse 5 where it says, for he, David, took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And then, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. If you'll notice there, what was David's role in this? What, what do we do every day from the time we get up till the time we lay our head down at night? What do we do all day? We make choices. David made a choice to take his life into his own hands and to kill the Philistine. That was a choice. But where did the power come from? From God. David made the choice to do God's will, so therefore the power was with him and his choice. Just like a lot of these, um, as we'll talk further, we see how Saul 
has become jealous or envious of, of David because if, if you'll notice Saul's nature all the way through this, he, is, he listens to the people. And sometimes he, he listens to the people more than he does following God's will. So here, you know, David made the, the good choice and God was with him. But then when we talk, when we talk about jealousy and envy, are those always necessarily bad? We always think of them as being bad. Where, where did we get jealousy and envy? Where does it come from? Yes, that's the act of it, but what I'm looking for is how, how did we receive the ability to be envious or jealous? From, from, from the heart, but ultimately from God. God has given us those emotions or those abilities. It's how we use them. We think about envy. Envy can be a good thing. If we envy Christ, what are we going to do? We're going to be Christ-like. If we're jealous of Christ, what are we going to be like? We're either going to try to be like him or we're going to try to push, push him down. And that's what we see in Saul and David. Um, David was Saul's biggest ally, but yet the jealousy and the envy, instead of him promoting that and taking him alongside to be a help, he wanted to push him down and get rid of it because he seen the people were praising David more than Saul. So that, that played into Saul's... Um, the way he was wired. What, what the people thought in him meant a lot to him. And that's what helped him make bad decisions because he took their the importance of what they thought over what God thought or what God wanted him to do. Questions or comments? I see a lot of wheels turning. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. He wanted instant gratification. Okay. Let's move move forward. This this whole scenario right here reminds me, and if you want to turn to it, we'll, I'm going to read it real quickly. It's Matthew 27, verses 19 through 24. This really brought this back to my mind. This is the. Uh, right before the crucifixion of Christ. Matthew chapter 27, verses 19 through 24. While he, Pilate, was sitting at the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barnabas. Barabbas, excuse me and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They said, Crucify him. Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, 
crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a, a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See, that, see to it that yourselves. Now, Jonathan in this situation, Jonathan is being very courageous. He was a true friend to Saul and David. He tried to make peace where there was no reason for war. This is also a good application for us today in being peacemakers. When conflict is not necessary, talk things through. Where there is a disagreement, let God's word be the guide in resolving the conflict or a heated debate on how to handle tough situations. Here are some scriptures to read in your private study. If you, if you have a pen, you can write them down. There's several of them. Matthew 5, chapter 5 and verse 9. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 8. Proverbs verse 20, or chapter 20, I'm sorry, and verse 3. Psalm chapter 133 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. It must be very important to be a peacemaker. There's so many scriptures that talk about the subject and how we should be peacemakers. Back to Jonathan. Jonathan was taking a big risk by pulling his father aside to reason with Saul and his plot to kill David. If you remember back in chapter 14, when Jonathan unknowingly disobeyed Saul's oath, that the people not eat until evening. In verse 44, Saul answered, God do so, and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. Then in verse 45, But the people said to Saul, Shall shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground. For he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Another thought on this, too. If you, this is probably one of the things that, that triggered um, Saul's jealousy. You see here, he was ready to just, he was ready to let him die. But then all the people that he had been fo- listening to all this time... They went against and said, no, no, Jonathan needs to live. That was probably one of the the key things that triggered some of his uh, jealousy. Okay, let's, let's read on. Let me find my place here. Okay. Where did I get to? Six? 
My eyes were playing tricks with me this morning. Saul listening to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these words, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. Now let's stop right there one more time. Another incident, as far as if you if you think about what Saul was or what um, David was doing here, if you'll remember back in Esther, the book of Esther, um, in Esther chapter four, verse eleven, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself, which is talking about Esther here, have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. This is a great lesson for all of us today. Standing for what is right sometimes is difficult, and it may not be what some want to do. But God's will will be done. And if our stand is in alignment with his will, the principles laid out throughout his word, then we must have the courage and the faith to stand firm when these difficult times come our way. So you can kind of understand here by some of these other biblical examples that that David was was stepping out and being taking a chance here. His father had already pretty much said that he could die previously. And then he is actually pulled aside by his son, Jonathan, and says, you know, you you can't do this. This is wrong. You this is sin. I mean, and another thing too, if you think about it, Jonathan probably witnessed um, Samuel and how he called out Saul on how many different occasions. He probably witnessed that, uh, and, and, and he knew his, his father's characteristics, and he probably knew that he was going to follow through with this. But he was willing to stand for what was right. All right, let's... Let's continue on in our reading. When there was war again, David went out, fought with the Philistines, and defeated them with great slaughter. So they fled before him. Now now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with the spear in his hand. And David was playing the harp with his hand. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. So Saul's oath didn't last very long, did it? And reading this, too, when you you take the comparison between Saul and David, here Saul is envious, he's jealous, He's angry. He's confused. He has a spear in his hand. He has a choice to make. And what does he do? He tries to kill 
David. On the other hand, you have David obviously trusting in what Jonathan had told him that Saul had sworn not to kill him. So there was trust. But still in the back of Jonathan's mind, there had to be some doubt. A little scared. But he was still respectful that Saul was the king. And no doubt he had faith that God was with him. He was using his hands to make music to help Saul's evil spirit or the indwelling of that spirit, if you will. So there you have two men. They both have their characteristics, their emotions that God's given them. They both have a choice to make. And you see how the contrast in how those choices were made based on the situation. It's a huge contrast. All right, let's move forward. Questions or comments? Y'all are very quiet today. Very quiet. Okay. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And, and Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you don't save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through the window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, put the cover over over goat's hair for his head, and covered it with with cloths. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, he said, or she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed, that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed, with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me like this? and sent my enemy away, so that he has escaped. How many stories do we see throughout the Bible that involve deception? When you think about it, there's a bunch. Uh, we, could, we could talk for hours, probably. Did any come to your mind on deception? Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. That was one that popped into my brain. What, who, where else? Esther. Esther. Okay. Rebecca. Abraham and Sarah. Okay. Or else. That brings to mind the about the livestock where they. Yes, but you remember about the the livestock where he uh, I forget he did something where a bunch of them prospered. They reproduced greatly and the others didn't. Mm-hmm. There was deception there, but it's all through the Bible when you think about it. And something else that, that I, thought, I thought about here was, it, if you remember back when um, Saul offered Michael to David, you remember what he said? And one of the reasons that he offered her to David, she would be a snare to him, a snare. So. Saul already knew probably a little bit about her characteristics and, and how she could be deceptive. And that was one of his 
uh, reasons for giving Michael to David so she would be a snare to him. Um, another story that just popped into my mind was uh, Rahab. She, she hid the spies. And what? Adam and Eve. So we, we they just keep coming out as far as stories and lessons about deception. Um, okay. Saul has already broken the vow that he made to Jonathan. He has obviously went to another level of his determination in the mission to get rid of David. He was openly he has openly expressed to his daughter that he considers David his enemy. Why? Why is David Saul's enemy? Okay, jealousy. All right. But had David done anything to Saul to make him an enemy? So this was all this is all coming from from Saul's heart and using the motions of jealousy and envy in a, in a ungodly way. So this this is what's generating all this. Um, Saul had no reason to think of David as being an enemy. First off, uh, he he had brought great deliverance to Israel in a military sense. He had restored their respect amongst the Philistines. Uh, he was his son-in-law. He was trying to do what God had told him to do. He had been... Um, he was using his musical talent to, if you want to put it this way, as a therapy for Saul and his evil spirit. So when you when you look at all the things that Saul had... or that... I get my brain's not working right this way. As you see all the things that David has done for Saul, and you sit and think, how could he consider him to be an enemy? But the lesson in that is, you know, a lot of times when when we talk about right and wrong, doing God's will, we always think about the big sins. Sometimes we want to put those small envy, jealousy. But if you'll go to in First Corinthians. That whole list of sins that says that will cause us not to inherit the kingdom of God, envy is right in the middle of it. And that's a tough one. That's a tough one for me. Because it's one of those things that people, people want to follow God, they do God's will, but when you look around and you see people prospering who are not following God's will, it's easy to be envious. It's easy to be jealous. So, you know, that's one of those one of those things that that we have to think about. Quit. Right. Let it be the boss's idea, even though it was yours. Well, it's just kind of that's the reason I went to when I all of our emotions come from God. But we still have a choice on how we use them. And that's that's kind of how I look at that is Saul still had a choice. He still had a choice. And I think we're going to see that in the end, toward the end of this chapter, if, if, if we get to it, that 
God had given Saul multiple times to make the right choice, but he still did not make the right choice. It's, it's, you know, it's on how we use those emotions, and it's hard. You know, those kind of emotions are hard. But that's the best I could explain that is it's it's something that uh, the hardening of the heart, right? Right. Well, I mean, the Bible tells us that God or God does not tempt us, but He does test us, and we do have free will. So, whenever we have a choice to make, we have to step back and and think about it. Is this what God would want me to do? And it's hard sometimes because your physical being is going to do the is going to follow your emotions sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to keep them in check. All right, back to the choice. Okay. 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 All right, Phil. All right. I mean, Saul. Saul was sent help from David. The music that he played was to help Saul. And even though we're we're tempted by the devil, we're tested by God, we still have free will. We still have a choice. We're, we, we don't see any instances where we don't have a choice. If there are, I haven't found them. Okay? Good comments. Good comments. All right, let's let's read on. Now David fled and escaped and came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naath. It was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naath and Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of prophets prophesying with Samuel, Standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. So Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself, and then he himself went to Ramah, and came as far as the large well that is in Seku, and he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Behold, they are at Naath in Ramah. He proceeded, he proceeded there to Naath in Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and also so that he went along prophesying continually until he came to Naath at Ramah. Let's stop right there. Now, we see these messengers who are sent, again, military force to take David. And what happens? These are not prophets. These are military men going to kill a man. What do they do? They prophesy. So who's in charge here? I mean, isn't that amazing? When you when you sit and then how many times does this happen just to prove a point? Three times. 
that makes me think again, how many, there's some other stories, and some of them are not coming to my brain right now, but there's other stories where there was three, things happened three times to prove a point. And I, it's not coming to me, but I know Mount Carmel, there was, where they, they kept adding, adding, pouring more, more water. And then there was another incident to where uh, it's not coming to mind. Somebody help me. Phil? Somebody, one of you Bible scholars. But anyways, there's other stories in the Bible where this, the same point is proven to where when God is in control, it happens more than once. Okay, that's when, I, when the Lord spoke to Samuel. Um, there was another incident. It was, okay, Jesus speaking to Peter. Okay, um, you know, three, seven, 40. There's a lot of numbers there that are used a lot in the Bible. I've, I read an article one time where it talked about numbers in the Bible, and it was very interesting that how many times that those specific numbers are are used. It's kind of neat. That's kind of chasing a rabbit, but okay. So now, verse 24. He also stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore they said, Is Saul also among the prophets? So here you have three different groups of Saul's military might. They're all prophesying. And then you have the king himself who's like, okay, I've sent out three groups. I'm going to go take care of this myself. What happens? Same thing happens to him. He prophesies. So then again, we're back to God is in control here. And if you think about it, this is another instance to where Saul could have made the right choice. You just think about him being the king and all this is going on between him and David, his son Jonathan, his daughter Michael, and then you've got all this that's going on and then the influence that Saul had from Samuel early on and then all the good things that David has done for Saul. And then you send out three, probably he kept sending mightier groups. When the first group didn't accomplish what was supposed to be accomplished, he probably looked at his arsenal and said, well, I'm going to send a better group. Three groups are sent. They're all prophesying to God. Why did Samuel not, or not Samuel, why did Saul not see this and make the right choice? Why? That shows you how powerful jealousy can be. It shows you how powerful envy can be. But then on the other hand, with the scriptures that we were talking about earlier about being a peacemaker, what if these had been instituted into this situation? How differently would it have come out if there was peacemakers in all this that was going on? 
You just think of all the different relationships. Father to son, father to daughter, daughter to father, son to father, king to prophet, prophet to king. All these different relationships and situations that were going on, if if there had been more peacemakers, God's will was going to be done regardless. But how differently would it have been if they had used peacemaking instead of the jealousy taking over, the envy taking over, being more Christ-like? When, when you look at most of the stories throughout the New Testament of, of Christ... What did he do? Did he condone condone sin? The woman caught in adultery. He pointed out her sin, but what did he do? He sent her on her way and, and kind of helped her out in her future choices. Don't sin anymore. But he gave her hope, and he gave her a second chance, and he gave her a chance to make good choices. And I think a lot of times we need to do that. Sometimes we, we get envious of people. Um, we're jealous of people. But everybody has their place. Everybody has their talents. And if we're all working for the right things and God is guiding our choices, then his will. Questions or comments? Tomorrow morning, y'all pray for us. We are leaving Nashville at 545 we got to be there at 345, so y'all pray for us, and hopefully we will have a good trip, and we will hopefully spread some good news and help some folks on the island of Beckway. So thank you. You're dismissed. <laughs>